You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. The, uh, and this it, is Two Guys Talking Wine. This is Two Guys Talking Wine. Um, the interview that and we are talking, we are talking wines today, and and today's wines, half of them I like, and half of them I don't. So oh, you're you're taking the wind out of my sails. You're taking the wind out of my sails. My only regret about, about my only regret about this interview is that it couldn't only be about Chardonnay. Because oh, thank God it wasn't. <laughs> um, we are talking about one of the great wine growing regions in the world. We were lucky enough to sit down with a representative from them, uh, Louis Moreau, who is also uh, a winery proprietor and, and winemaker in not Burgundy. just a representative, but actually Louis Moreau. Yeah, Louis Moreau. Yeah, we talked to Louis. Louis himself was sitting between us. And he was a hoot. Yes, this definitely a lot of fun speaking with uh, speaking with this this man, and uh, a lot of great wines to boot. There were the real, we yeah. tasted we tasted a lot of wines on this one. Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, they brought us into their office, and uh, we did uh, remote location. Uh, so a big thanks to Sapexa for uh, for having us in, and thanks to Louis Moreau. But before we thank him, let's listen to what he had to say. I would say bring, I would say, the latest news from the, uh, from the vineyard, what's happening with the 2016 uh, latest harvest that is now, um, I would say, done. And also um, trying to show you, I would say, a new angle for, uh, for Burgundy wines, whether it's uh, reds or white or even sparkling, um, that they are, I would say, below $40, some very affordable ones. Okay. Well, I guess maybe we can dive right into it. Uh, I mean, how was 2016 as a, a vintage for uh, Burgundy? Uh, difficult, to be yeah. more light. Always <laughs> <laughs> like that, difficult. So. No, it's been, uh, it's probably one of the vintage that um, not one winemaker or um, person from the, uh, from the vineyard would like to see again. Uh, we really piled up everything mm-hmm. in terms of uh, difficulties whether it's uh, frost and uh, early, I would say spring frost, um, hail, storms, um, rain, and uh, high pressure in terms of uh, mildew. So really we've put everything together, piled it up, and uh, it really made it uh, stressful, difficult, and very difficult on the uh, yields that we can uh, bring out, which uh, globally we're going to be about 30%. Uh, down in terms of 30 percent down, 30% down. up, but 30 percent down. Down, yeah. So it's going to be some stress on that. Uh, the good thing and the good news: uh, the quality of the vintage overall, uh, red and white, is interesting. It's good. It's uh, round. It's got a lot of fruit. Um, so it should be should be a good vintage. Was it a similar story across all the all the regions, or were there some regions that were harder hit than than others? Pretty much when you when you look, and that's one thing that we're very surprised. Um, everywhere in Burgundy, there was you know some misery, uh, you know all the way to you know Beaujolais, uh, going up to Chablis. So yeah, there's been some some difficulties. Yeah, Chablis was hit quite a lot. Uh, Maconnet did 
pretty much did well in, in terms of quantity and quality. Uh, so yeah, it's very, in, in French we says heterogène, you know, a uh, lot of variation. Okay. So let's, uh, we have wines today, we have six of them, and we're starting off with something a little happier than that, uh, that report. Yeah, it's a good thing we got the bad news out of the way first. <laughs> it's uh, the Baie Lapierre uh, Clement de Bourgogne Chardonnay Brut. And uh, this is a lovely piece of business. I think. I think your French accent's getting better. I, I, I'm in the <laughs> presence of French, I seem to do a lot better in the French department. You seem to do with the Italians. <laughs> I just put an Italian accent on everything. So <laughs> that's, that's all I do. So Bailly Lapierre, Cremont, Cremont de Bourgogne, 100% Chardonnay, um, all the way from the, uh, the northern part of uh, Burgundy, where it's uh, cooler, fresher, and uh, some say actually where the uh, Le Berceau, where the, the start of the Cremont was actually, um, I'd say in terms of vineyard and in terms of cellar, where it started. But that's, I'd say, history. I, I, lo I always love Cremont de Bourgogne because I find it really great value. I like spark one. I love sparkling wine, and two, I like great value in sparkling wine, and I can't always afford champagne. Okay, well, I mean, I, I mean, that's I can't afford champagne. Yeah. With, usually, but the, the um, nice thing about this wine too, like, it's just even got a nice, a nice, nicer mouth feel. It's a little bit more round on the on the mid palate in, in general. On that, well, I'm not mistaken. It's done completely in the traditional method, is it not? It's yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, how long on lease? Do you do you know that one or? Uh, uh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. We do have fact checkers in the background here for us. Just in case how long on lease? How long on lease for the sparkly wine? Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> right, fact checkers are fact checkers are on it. Yeah, yeah. they're on that. So. And I guess just like dumbing it down to like the really simplest form, crema. Is just sparkling wine from France that is not from Champagne. Right. Everything else is sparkling wine, and from France, it's sparkling. Sparkling. Yeah, but it's a good, good alternative to, as you were saying, to Champagne. Yes, I always find it to be so. So they, you know, there's Cremant de Loire, there's all kinds of Cremant from yeah. France. Yeah, and this wine, I think we were told, is about twenty-two dollars. About twenty-two, twenty-four here in Ontario, where we're where we're recording. But yeah. you know, wherever anybody's listening to this. Fantastic value. It's a really good wine. So I find it funny that uh, I am here for a Burgundy uh, podcast. You talked me into this one, I have to be honest, because I am not a fan of Chardonnay. <laughs> okay. I just not. Look at it. My gosh. He's, he literally physically pushed away from me. How can you not have Chardonnay? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, there, there was a little bit of arm twisting because I, on the other hand... Love Chardonnay. Yeah, love Chardonnay. <laughs> but we do have some Pinot Noir here, so, uh, and I see one of my favorite regions is here too, so I'm uh, very happy. You can come closer again. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay, so, um, <laughs> although, you know, just just for uh, for shits and giggles, I will tell you, Andre, that I was in the LCBO today, and I did buy two Chardonnays. Excellent. So, Making progress. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, Chardonnay in Burgundy is probably the purest expression that you can get, so... You keep telling me this, okay? <laughs> you're gonna slap me. What are you talking about? Take your Chardonnay back. So what's in our what, what's in our so glass, in our glass right now? now uh, we are looking at uh, Maison Chanzy. Chanzy, uh, and it's a Ruy. So we are traveling from the Bailly Lapierre, where we were in the northern part of uh, Burgundy, all the way down to the uh, Côte Chalonnaise to Ruy. 
and uh, there we're going. Well, we're trying to show you that uh, it's a good alternative. Some people, you know, always talk about the, the greater and the bigger whites um, in uh, in Burgundy, and here you have, I would say, it's much more delicate. Um, it is um, oak age, but you have concentration. It's very delicate and long, long finish and nice freshness. Now I'm going on the south. I'm looking on the label. It says on Rosie. What does that mean? Uh, Rosé is one of the um, smaller towns that you have, I would say, next to uh, Tourie, and where actually the uh, estate is, uh, is located, the uh, Maison Chance. Because I, I know I, I once saw a bottle of champagne with the Rosé also. Did they make champagne near there, or? No, 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 it's only Rosé, it's a village appellation. I know it's one of those things where sometimes the spellings can be a little off because they have a champagne called Fleury too. Yeah. But it's spelled yeah. different than the region in Bourgeois. So not to be confused with. Premier Cru also. Yeah. But that's all no, no sparkling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, no. In Ruyi, sorry. There are some some uh, sparkling wines in Ruyi, uh, uh, Picamlo, and uh, I think there is Pito Albertiti as well. And the fact checkers come in again. That is it is the uh, second, the Premier de Bourgogne is the second uh, cradle. Our fact checker today is Cecile. Uh, if you want to do your last name, because I'm going to really pack that Matteo. Matteo. Cecile Matteo, she is our fact checker today, so I'm glad we have that. Uh, so we can't screw it up too badly. Yep. Can I come back to the Crémier Bourgogne? It's 18 months. 18 months back to that Crémier uh, Bourgogne. So, um, your description of this one, you really hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of concentration of flavor, but the, at the same time, it's nice and light on the mid-palate. Exactly, yeah. And it's just got this little bit of like spice that kind of goes right from the nose to the finish, and then the mineral just pokes through at the end. Like This is very, very clean-tasting wine. And See, I, I find this heavy. Uh, oh, you're out of your mind. I find it slightly clumsy. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, it's just I don't... <laughs> I just... Look at the fact checkers and I was like, wait a second, we can't have that. The good news is this means I wouldn't have to share it with you. That's correct. This would be the bottle that you would drink all by yourself. Yes. I would be, you know, this, I would move on. It's, yeah, it's clumsy. I don't know why clumsy. I don't know. I, to me, I just find this, uh, you, have, you said it's light. I find it very, uh, very catty, in fact, on my palate. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I am predetermined not to like Chardonnay, so I actually start that way. I already start with the I don't like this, okay. and then you've got to turn <laughs> me on to it. So, um, do, do you find it uh, heavy because it's um, oak, uh, oak age, or vinified in oak? Or? Well, it usually does, but the temperature of this is really is really nice. Like, I know oak tends to add weight. Add, to, add weight um, to it. So when you said it was delicate, I was not. I was not on on your side. I'm trying to say you what he was. I wasn't on your side for that. I see where people would like this wine because it does have that oak, it does have that minerality. Mm. But I guess in Chardonnays, I'm looking for uh, uh, the fruit uh, just just covered with oak. And this one, to me, the oak just seems a little too pronounced. That's 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 where I that's where I am with that. On no, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling a lot of like tangerine and, and apple, like on the on the mid palate. Like it's a little bit more orchard driven, and then. A little bit of orange pulling through on the finish. It's yeah. To me, this is not this is not my Chardonnay. This, I think I I know what I like in Chardonnays. This to me is not. It's not my Chardonnay. Okay. Yeah, but so, at least maybe you can see that you know you have that long, I would say, lasting finish. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely a long finish to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very but fresh, even with the long not... finish, it's got a nice clean cleanness to yeah. it because it's got that good acidity pushing right through to the end. 
it's not like in French we have, you know, pâte de fruits, uh, coin, you know, the, uh, I don't know how you say it. Pâte de fruits? Pâte de fruits. And sometimes, you know, the wines that, uh, that could be a little bit too mature, they, they tend to be, you know, very heavy. Yeah, uh, so like almost like a jam or... Jam, yeah, yeah. it's sugary, you know, uh, yeah, jam. Yeah, you get that. Sugary, it's, uh, as I said, it's just... It's uh, really opposite to that. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just, as I said, it's just not, it's not my Chardonnay. <laughs> well, um, we'll try with the third one. Yeah, let's go on to number three. Yeah. So, okay, so we'll yeah. find out uh, what this is. Is wine mean, number three, wine number three, I believe is your wine. Uh, yeah, it's from Chavi, so... Oh, I better like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to walk out of it. Yeah, he's... Louis, I bet he'd walk out the door. What do you mean you don't like this wine? <laughs> the nose on this is all fruit. It's nice. So, 215, 2015, Chavi, so Village uh, Appellation. Um, going, I would say, back up uh, to um, the northern part of uh, Burgundy, where it's going to be fresher uh, compared to where we were in uh, Rilly. Uh, no oak at all. <clears throat> Stainless steel. Oh, your other favorite. Oh, I know, Chardonnay, <laughs> yes. But I really get the minerality in this wine. Uh, yeah. I get the freshness. I'm talking about the nose, first, uh, okay, but, first and foremost. But my, my favorite thing when you... Uh, when you can get the nose off of a Chardonnay is when you can not only detect apples, but you can pick the specific apple it smells like. And to me, this smells like a Macintosh apple. Yes, like there's Niagara, Macintosh. like a Niagara Macintosh that's still like just right off the tree, very crisp and. Yeah, I, 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 I get all. I just, you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm afraid to sip it because I actually like the nose. I really like the nose. <laughs> Thank you. So. <laughs> One, two, three, oh. Yeah, so it, it, it's so fruit-driven. Uh, like, I feel like the, the mineral's a little bit more restrained in this. And I know for a lot of people, they say Chablis, it's perfect for oysters. Oysters. Uh, do you think this would still be a good oyster wine? Is there something else you would do with this? Uh, with this, we'll, we'll probably start to go also on um, scallops. Uh, we can go on some uh, tartare de saumon, so, you know, raw, raw salmon. salmon nice. Being a little bit more, you know, thicker and a little bit with um, oil. Um, but the um, minerality you're going to get at the end, you know, it should, I would say, going to reveal itself on the end, uh, end palate. I shouldn't like this because it's, it's unopened and it's not because it's yours. Um, but this is lovely. Thank you. This is, this is really... It's just got like this. It's, it's the perfect weight on the, on the mid-palate. How much time did this spend on Lee's before you... you... Um, it's uh, with us on Lee's for eight months. Perfect. Uh, for the, uh, the Chablis village. Um, we're trying to find, um, I would say, a compromise between fruit and also the what we call terroir, the, where we actually pick the grapes from and trying to reveal also the uh, um, minerality and we like also um, freshness. So it's... See, I get all of that. I get the, the wonderful fruit, I get that minerality, I get the freshness. Andre, you'd be fighting over me with this one, or I would just take this bottle and you can have the other one. I just, I, I, it's almost painful that you said scallops because I kind of want to run out of here and just go grab some because I think this would be perfect with that seafood. There's it's politicians who are grabbing things nowadays too, but I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 now, for something like uh, a Chablis, I know the, the first one that we had, the Chanzy would be something that if you wanted to hold on to in a cellar or something, you could hold on to that for a few years and it would Definitely. it would be interesting to develop with the barrels. Now, with Chablis, it's usually an oak. I know there's some Chablis that does come in oak, but for a wine like this, what would you suggest for someone who wants to keep a few bottles? How long would you keep it? For the uh, Chablis, 
Um, yeah, you could easily. I mean, you could put it in the cellar for five years if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chablis and most of the consumers, at least in Europe, uh, they tend to drink Chablis within, I would say, two years. You know, they pick it; it's there. But uh, it does get, and we see it also at the cellar. Uh, with two years of bottling, you know, age after the uh, uh, vinification period, it's really um, such a bonifié. It really um, gets, I would say, um, to its right path. So, yeah. And I see you've got a screw cap on this bottle too, and that's something that we're still not seeing a whole lot of from more top French wines. Uh, yeah, it's it's developing, I would say, for the what we call entry level, so even for village. Uh, for um, for Burgundy, you tend to see um, more and more. Um, the, at least in Europe, uh, there are a few countries: um, Norway, Sweden, uh, Denmark, who were, I would say, um, almost 100% screw cap. So they, they said, you know, you want to go into the monopoly, into a state store, then it's going to be screw cap. So that's why we moved to um, the screw cap. Uh, five um, five years ago. What do you find of us here in North America? Are we screw cap oriented here in Canada? Are more, are, is Canadians more screw cap oriented than the US? Funny, funny enough, the, the US was probably the first one to, to move out to the screw cap. I was surprised, you know, because it was like cork and cork and cork. And a couple of years back, they said, you know, you can move to um, to screw cap. It's like, okay, at least for Petit Chablis, Chablis, uh, the Premier Cru and Grand Cru. For us, it's always going to stay uh, with regular corks, uh, and Canada is, is moving also. Did you do any testing on screw caps before you moved that way? Considering this is your wine, I think we can yeah. talk you that way. Yeah, uh, no, no, we did. I mean, you know, we we are adventurous, but uh, within limits, and uh, we did. I would say we keep and we still have. I would say we did some testing on Petit Chablis, Chablis, uh, and actually we pushed it with regular cork with screw cap, and we tried at the same time synthetic corks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, but but synthetic can mean a couple of different things, right? Like no, you're talking about like full-on plastic corks. Yeah, plastic. Oh yeah, God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That Would you was... say that on tape that you don't like plastic corks? Uh, yes. 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 No. No plastic. Thank you very Perfect, much. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I I get into Twitter wars with people. Oh, plastic's fine. Oh, plastic's not fine. No, we've been we me and Michael have both had experience now where there's nothing worse than opening up a bottle and taking the capsule off and seeing that piece of plastic in I think, there. I think plastic is okay for about two to three years, but if you are aging... And, yeah, yeah, there we go. Exactly, but I mean, it's, it's good if you're looking to open something fresh, but I mean, if you're opening something after ten years and it's got that piece of plastic in it, it is just an absolute nightmare, and, and I, have, I have seen so many bottles, especially for between 2002 and 2005. That have those 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 plastic corks in them, and they just they just ruined beyond you know exactly. anywhere you would expect that wine to be ruined. Uh, no, but for I would say faster drinking wine, you know sometimes rosé you see that a lot. You know plastic is good. You know it's actually better than uh, aggloméré or any kind of you know funny corks. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's not only like you said never for the the top the more top tier yeah, wines. I guess I shouldn't say never. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have them, like a market outside of France. I mean, be okay, be comfortable with with screw caps. I know, obviously, you have to sell your wines. Yeah. Um, do you find that the producers in, in Burgundy, the producers in France, are being receptive to making a move to other closures to yeah, screw caps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to because the, the main problem, and everybody had problem with uh, with corks uh, in the past. So you have to look at new technologies. Some actually are looking into glass corks. You know why not? You know, if, 
something coming from uh, from Germany, from Austria. Um, maybe one day, who knows? You know, so you have to move, you know, forward with technology. If it's going to be, if it's not going to affect the wine, the quality of the wine, and the aging potential, why not? So under screw cap, you find it almost hermetically seals your wine and gives you a little bit longer uh, aging potential than say your cork or definitely plastic. But I mean. Uh, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. You can obviously choose, you know, within the, uh, the top part of the other uh, screw cap. Um, there's a seal, and the seal can be uh, porous or, you know, semi, let's say, uh, permeable. So you can choose from uh, from that. But you do get, I would say, a little bit longer aging. Uh, what you get, and for me, the most important, um, you get regularity. So you can open six bottles, and you get, I would say. The wine is not altered with regular corks. You tend to be ups and downs. And Chardonnay, at least on Bourgogne, uh, is always, I would say, very sensible to any artist. Very good. So your your wine here in Ontario uh, is twenty five ninety five. I don't know. If you do that? Nope. I know that now. And but, uh, uh, it, was, it was lovely. It really yeah, was. very for, good. For, now for for me to say it's a Chardonnay, and I really like that. I would drink that happily. I'll tell you what to make people jealous. I've got. Uh, some Northern Pike and Pickerel in my freezer from Western Canada, and that's probably so, what I'm going to pick up to is that where I'm put on the table. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not much for me. Not a <laughs> um, so we've got our, our third wine in glass. It's a Jadot uh, Pinot Noir. Louis, Louis Jadot Bourgogne Pinot Noir, or for our American listeners, Louis J. Dot. <laughs> so, um, I'm surprised he nailed that. Louis J. <laughs> You know what? It's really interesting because um, I went to Beaujolais a few years ago, and you get some of these wines in your glass, and the winemakers they call it Presque Pinot, because Gamay is like the the ugly cousin to Pinot Noir. But the thing is, when you take the nose on this wine and you take your first sip of this wine, this is Presque Gamay. It's really interesting because it's got a lot of like pepper on the finish that I'm picking up, which I don't normally find from I don't normally find from from Burgundy or from Pinot Noir. And I don't mean that as an, as an insult, Mr. Jadot. I, I mean that completely as a compliment. Yeah, that to me is pretty typical. Uh, uh, this is an entry-level Bourgogne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I dated a girl who really liked this wine. Yeah. Not the 13, obviously, that's what we're drinking. But uh, this, this was her wine of choice all the time. It's nice, it's a little, I little lighter. Barrier because uh, obviously if you're a one-trick pony when it comes to wine, you don't want to be uh, attached to that. She probably likes Chardonnay. Uh, no, the one I did marry went on to Chardonnay, oh, right. yes. Right, that's right. So, <laughs> but she also loves sparkling. Loves sparkling. I can, she can be like, no, I don't want to drink anything tonight, and I'll be like, uh, how about a bottle of sparkling? Oh, yes, that's okay. Yeah, because so, that's not wine. That's, that's not wine. It's completely different. Man, everything about this wine is just delicate. Like it's soft on the nose with soft yeah. cherry, like candied cherry. And even though it is Bourgogne, you know, uh, it's a Pinot Noir, it's entry level, mm -hmm. but it's got concentration. You know, it's got a lot of fruit. It's not too um, too jammy, and it's uh, slowly opening up on the on the palate. So it's it's good. And two thirteen, you know, being a warmer uh, and warmer vintage. And it's for somebody who wants to discover um, Burgundy or slowly go into Burgundy. I think it's a good step for you know with a Pinot Noir or that caliber. What does this bottle cost? Twenty two ninety five is what I have here. Okay. Do you, uh, Louis? Do you make Pinot Noir also, or is you just a strictly Chardonnay? Uh, uh, we are strictly we are white, so we are Chardonnay. 
uh, we do some Bourgogne, uh, North Bourgogne Chardonnay, a uh, little bit of aligoté. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My dad said, you know, keep to what you know. So I said, okay. So uh, <laughs> no, this is what I know. I'm done. <laughs> but maybe one day I'll start to wander. You know? Yeah. Okay. Do you ever do you ever want to wander? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Do who doesn't want to wander? You know, there's. Uh, I've got some good friends in uh, in Beaujolais, so and also, you know, they make Gamay and they make Pinot Noir. So yeah, you wanna stretch your wings a little bit. A little so bit, how yeah. long have you been making Chardonnay? Strictly Chardonnay, Aligoté, I think. Uh, Chardonnay uh, for 24 years in Chablis. Okay. And Aligoté for the past five years, and Bourgogne is a new project for the past two years. And that's still white. 100%. 100% white. And yeah. when you say Bourgogne, and is it is it like a blend of something? Or? Uh, it's a Bourgogne. It's grapes that we purchased from, um, I would say, pretty much near Maconnet, yeah, down okay. the uh, southern part of uh, Bourgogne. Yeah. Still Chardonnay? So far, yeah. yeah okay, just, I'm just checking. <laughs> I want to see if he's, you know, stretches it a little bit. Because it seems like when you said Bourgogne, he doesn't want to say it's, it's Chardonnay. It's, so, no, 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 so it's all white, so it's all... It is more than Chardonnay when it's Bourgogne. Oh, I see. It's Chardonnay, but it's... even more. <laughs> and the fact checker speaks again. <laughs> Check that out on our computer. Google says... But is that, or it's just Wikipedia. an attitude. It's Wikipedia just an attitude, says right? it's more than just Chardonnay, it's Bourgogne. Yeah, that's what it is. But, you know, we could, we could have other things. And, you know, climate uh, getting warmer. I'm sure there's some uh, places in Bourgogne that uh, I could, uh, you know, do other things than Chardonnay. You know, it, is, it is interesting because in, in France the rules are quite strict and I've... Really? Well, I mean, with what you have planted and what, what you can do, right? Yeah. You, you just shot them. What are you talking about? But I mean, obviously things are, are changing. We yeah. recently spoke to someone uh, from Charles Hedsick about uh, climate change and I know when people talk about climate change in France, Champagne has become the poster child, but uh, Burgundy hasn't really uh, been faring too well over the, the past few years. There's been a lot of, like you said, difficult vintages, hail and frost. How do you feel that um, that climate change is changing the direction of where things are going in Bourgogne? Um, I think it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely changing, uh, for sure. Uh, the, just look at harvest dates uh, compared to 40, 50 years ago, where you were in uh, October, uh, the second part of uh, October, and today we are uh, in September, so we gain, you know, two to three weeks in terms of uh, harvest. So it shows you that the climate, yes, is getting warmer. Um, the good thing for some part of uh, Bourgogne is uh, with that climate change, at least we're getting to full maturity, and we have wines that are much more mature. They are closer to their appellation. They are not greener with a lot of acidity compared to what we could um, show or produce before. So there are good things. Um, is it getting warmer every year? Not necessary. I think it's more cycles. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, what we're having is more peaks with either big storms or um, we have a lot of rain or we have dry spells and very warm temperatures. So it's more, I would say, Opposites. So it's climate, climate change, not global warming. So no, you're, you're, warming. Burgundy is not going to become the Florida of, uh, of France. No, 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 no. But I mean, even with the, even with the little changes, I mean, what sort of steps are being taken by the winemakers to adapt? I mean, I don't think I've seen a year in the past five years where a part of, of Burgoyne hasn't been hit by hail or, or some pretty extreme storms in the spring. Like, what sort of steps are, are you taking to help make sure that 
you know, the, the cost of a bottle of wine isn't going to go up to 80, 90 bucks a bottle just because your yields are low. Yeah, yeah. well, hopefully we can, you know, continue to produce um, a good amount of wine, uh, whether it's uh, the northern part or the southern part of, uh, of Bourgogne. Um, it's difficult, as you say, you know, we're in France, we have, you know, tough rules. Um, Appellation d'origine contrôlée is not something that you move overnight. Um, but at least they are open now to experimentation with, you know, nets uh, in some part of the, um, of the vineyard, simply to, I would say, protect if you have a hail storm, at least you have a net, and, you know, the hail doesn't, you know, damage too much the, uh, the vineyard. Um, you have also rockets, you know, with, uh, it's, um, you put them at uh, strategic places of the, uh, the vineyard, into corridors, and then you shoot, you know, rockets up into the uh, clouds knowing that there is a storm coming. Oh, okay. And uh, within that rocket is uh, Yodur d'Argent. So it's... Um, Yodur is a... Let's say it's silver of some kind. Yeah. I know they were it's doing... Just, yeah, they were doing yeah. something like that in so Beijing. Rocks, yeah. Like that? So yeah. Really? yeah, and they were so doing... So Germany's not worried you're attacking them, right? No. No, 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 no. rockets under the air. I'm just checking. <laughs> or, or, or Russia. You know, oh, Russia. Yeah. Hey, what the heck's going on there? So... <laughs> That's really that's real. That is really really interesting. So I want to go back to the spreading of your wings, you know, with the different grapes. Just really quick. So do you ever have the urge to work with like Zinfandel or Grenache, or is that just so way out there? That's <laughs> no, 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 no. So no. you just you stay with you know you want to stay within your no, sphere. Of... We stay with um, uh, with grape varieties that are delicate, and Pinot Noir is. Really, the best expression, but you know, okay. So you would go more more Pinot Noir. You wouldn't go Grenache or, or what? You're saying Zinfandel can't be delicate? I I, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> so some uh, some some American uh, winery called you up and said, "Louis, we love your wines. We want you to come make wine for us, but we do seven different varieties. We want you to come do it." You would say no. No, 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 no. If it's, ah. if, it's if it's away from uh, from I would say our territory. If it's not in Burgundy, sure, why not? You know. Anybody listening? Louis open. Just saying. Just saying. To then give it a try. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Okay. So, so what's in our glass now? I, now I've already okay. taken a couple of sips because I'm uh, so mess this up. I know it's uh, Vincent Girardin. Vincent Girardin. Les Vieilles Saint Denis. Yeah. Okay. Vieilles Vignes. You have to say it this way. It is a Saint Denis. Vieille vigne. Vieille vigne. From Vincent Girardin. Vincent, which is a hundred. Actually, I'm so thrilled that I'm so thrilled that we have this bottle in front of us because Vieille Ving Ving is uh, something you and I have spoken about in the past on this that. podcast. Old vines, yeah. Um, so how old are old vines? Yes, because that's the question I want to get to. Because I, I need to preface this by saying we have the wine industry in, in Niagara; it's doing quite well. We have some vineyards now that are pushing 30 and 40 years old, and we have wineries who are starting to put old vines onto their bottles, and it's not a regulated term. But I mean, for it's Burgundy... Not, it's not regulated, but uh, anything I would say above uh, 30 years old, we usually we say 35 years old is uh, starting to be behaving. Perfect. Yeah, see, this is, this is 40 years old. Perfect. Years yeah. average. Uh, so... so but I mean, in Niagara, just to go back to that, if it's the oldest vines in Niagara, it has the right to call itself old vines. But I mean, that's the question that we were we were having. Yes. I mean, we obviously don't need more rules no. in any no, no, any no, wine no, industry. No, there's no, enough no. rules. <laughs> there's there's enough rules, but at the same time, you need to make sure that as a consumer, 
if I'm buying something Ye Ving, yeah, there's something that at least you, you know that there's a certain age to read It's going to mean something because if everybody uses it, you know, because they said, oh, it's going to be a new label or secondary label or a new cuvee and they put Ye Ving and the vineyard is only 15 years old, I think it, you know, it's stupid. It ruins the, uh, the purpose. So France doesn't have any rules though on that or at least uh, Bourgogne does it's not. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't put my hand into the fire, but it's not really written. But we know by use, okay. uh, historical use, that uh, yeah, thirty-five years. So okay. it's, so it's, somebody, it's just logical. So if somebody had a, you know, they had a property that they had just recently planted, and their oldest vines were, say, you know, six years old, they couldn't say Gavigny on that because it's their, it's their oldest vine. So. But you have to be patient, and you know, like most, I would say, estate and winemakers, they, they waited, you know, 40, 50 years to start calling, you know, some parcel that are behaving. And usually, when we say behaving, it's not, I would say, a huge parcel in Grand Parcel. You know, they really pick, you know, a plot because this is really producing the best. You know, it's something that for yeah, them yeah. is the best expression. So we were talking about this Vincent. Yeah. Vincent. 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 In, uh, <laughs> to our American listeners. Girardin. <laughs> Girardin. Yes. Girardin. Sorry. It's Vincent Girardin for our American uh, listeners. There you go. That's so painful, Michael. Santine. Because you have to make the E sound long <laughs> with the A in there. So it's Santine. It's okay. This is just practice for when you go to San Francisco tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I just finished watching the Montreal Canadiens, a team near and dear to my heart, um, uh, play on television on Saturday and they were just ruining J.J. Daniels' name. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, it was not even close. I think at one point he called him a donut or something. I don't know. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, about this wine, we, we want to talk about concentrated and this is not to take away from any of the other wines, but the concentration on the nose of this is just so intense and it's, uh, it's violets, it's like very ripe cherry right up to the line of being like cooking cherries but not jammy like there's a nice earthiness to this wine uh, yeah and that rounds it out and yeah, i'm sorry i took a, i took a leapfrog on the taste but you know what i'll, I'll let you do the tasting note because i'm just gonna be too busy enjoying this no this is yeah i, I think that the tannins are, are are lovely they really hold that wine together uh you got a like nice black cherry black raspberry type notes to it uh-huh it's just uh, there's a lot going on in this wine and uh, it just it just screams for food though, but that's you know that's European wine. Does it so. scream for food? Yes. Or does it scream for a second glass? Wait, wait <laughs> for the next one. Uh, the next wine, I am sh- I could drink the next wine. On you know, in, in, in all in all seriousness, I mean you're right. Like the, the tannin and the acid, the tannin's a little grippy. Acid's a little high on the on the finish, and I think this would do well with some lamb, some like a lamb stew, or maybe like well, a cocoa. Would you pair this with Louis? Um, Louis, uh, the chef Louis, um, yeah, lamb, yeah. No, lamb, okay. Lamb, yeah. It's, uh, for me, it needs a little bit more time, needs a couple more years. Yes, I believe so, yeah. It's tasting, I would say, nicely uh, today. It's a 213, a warm vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, the potential is definitely there, you know, you got that nice concentration, but it's almost silky, very delicate, um, but it's, it's going to... Untied and it's going to find its path for me in two, three years' time. Being impatient, I, I probably wouldn't wait. Oh, I would just, but I think it, oh, I, I think I think you had something a little bit fatty to it, like the like that's why I said the lamb. I'm happy to hear you hear you say lamb too, but like just something with a little bit of fat to it would help balance out the uh, help balance out this acidity and tannin on the finish. 
I'm just asking for more of the next wine because I just know I have more of this one. So, oh, the, the price of the something A is uh, thirty-one twenty-five. Yeah, so. that's good value. So, very good value. Good value, good producer. So, and interesting region also. You know. So, uh, our sixth and final wine. Uh, Louis here is just trying to decide which, and he throws the Louis Jadot right over there. Come on, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Louis, did you hear that? Um, in all fairness, we do only have two glasses, so somebody has to suffer. And um, I'm the only one who can drink all these wines. <laughs> in between the, the pourings. So, uh, Mercure. My, yes, my favorite region of uh, 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 Burgundy is uh, Mercier, right? which I am a big fan. I just don't know. I just have always, because I'm crazy about a Mercury. But, um, anybody get that one? No. I got it. No? Okay. It's a very dated reference, Mike. It is a very dated reference, but it's musical reference. Yeah, it's a okay. reference about a Mercury. Musical, but yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, so, but, uh, no, I've just always been a fan. I've always loved the flavors. I've always loved the concentration. I've always... Uh, love the fruit characteristics. I don't know what it is. Maybe you can explain it to me. What I'm really loving about it's got power. Yeah, it's, it's got you know. It's much more compare it. You know, the uh, Santonet that we just had before, which was as I used the word silky, uh, delicate. Here it's powerful. Just look at the color. Much more deeper color, uh, more intense, and uh, it's just got it's vibrant. We have a very nice young lady who's pouring wine for us, and again, your name is? Alexandra. Alexandra has been pouring wine for us this whole time so that we didn't have to get up or move or anything, so we just sit and drink, which is nice. And uh, when she was pouring this wine, I kept you know, asking for a top filling that glass, don't you stop. This is, hev- this is heavy and like mushroomy. It's just... But it's silky. It's it is. Powerful. And sorry, our, our fact checker just wants us to point out that this is Premier Cru. Premier Cru. Oh, Premier Cru. Oh, we should t- say what it is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mangle it again. It's Domaine Theo Julio. Yeah. Do we oh, want the I French? Can we get the French subtitles on there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Monopole 2014. La Caillou. Okay, Caillouta. Caillouta. Oh, I didn't know if I should pronounce the T in the. You always pronounce the T in the. Okay. Caillouta. La Caillouta. Mercury Premier Cru. And it caillut and caillou is Premier stone. Okay, stone. All right, so it's stony. stony so from a stony vineyard. From a stony vineyard. So this is a single vineyard. Obviously. Single vineyard and a vineyard that is um, three hundred meters um, above sea level. So it's uh, the higher part. Of the, uh, <laughs> and always that nice say, freshness. So the, the planting is from seventy nine and nineteen eighty. So we've also just been told by our fact checker that if you were to look at this bottle on the shelf, you would read it from bottom to top. It's a Mercure Premier Cru, La Caillute, Monopole 2014. Here's where I I turn the American hat on. This is why they hate you, French, because now you want them to read bottom to top, where everybody wants to read top to bottom. The French just have too many rules when it comes to a bottle of wine. This is just no, really no, good. No, no, no. Oh. We want, we want I mean, to I mean, the... you pick the bottle from the shelf at the LCBO and just look at it going, this is what I'm going to drink, and turn it and look at the back table. Yes, but no, no, but she wants you to read bottom to top. Everybody no. reads top to bottom. It's just that we've always been taught that way. No, not in France. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I dumb it down and, even and farther? They, and they read right to left, too. Little do they know. Look, I've, I've got a question. I'm going to dumb it down even more. Like I'm, I'm going to take the American hat off and I'm going to put a dunce cap on my head. 
We're it going. It fits very well, by the way. I know it's, it fits snugly. Why but I mean, but why, why not? Why not just put on the bottle Chardonnay and, and Pinot Noir for people in North America Ooh. and Canadians who are new to wine? Oh, see your face. I mean, I'm not saying to take the place off the bottle, but I mean for someone who's new to wine. I'm 30. I'm 33 years old, and I'm spending a little bit more money on wine. And French wine can be a little overwhelming because you have no idea what's in the bottle or what these regions necessarily mean, unless you have someone like Michael or me tell you. Why not make it a little easier for 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 the new Canadian, for the millennials, for the people who are trying to get into wine? And I know we said AOC rules are hard to change, yeah, but no. but how would you make it for you? We'll just put Pinot Noir on the front label. Or the back yeah, label. Then you would lose the charm of the um, different classification that we have in Bourgogne also. But as Andre said, the millennials have no idea about that. Yeah. How, how, how are we supposed See, to unfortunately, the Americans have kind of ruined it for you because on their front label it says Cabernet Sauvignon, it says Cabernet Franc, it says Merlot, it says Red Blend, it says, you know, uh, Yellowtail, Shiraz, it says... Yeah, the thing um, was Pinot Noir from, uh, from Burgundy or Chardonnay, it would be that boring. It would be. Okay. You could leave everything else on the label, but somewhere in brackets, put Pinot Noir or Chardonnay or Alicote. You know what? I, some people, some some producers now, they add it on the back label to explain. Uh, as we are, uh, there are no blend in Bourgogne. It's only one grape vital yeah. per wine. It's Chardonnay or Pinot Noir or sometimes Gamay or sometimes Alicote. But uh, you have to make the difference between the Bourgogne Pinot Noir, which is the first level, which is a regional appellation, and the Mercuret or the Centenay that are telling a story, story of the place. And, uh, but yes, you can find it on the back labels in some... No, I've, I've seen some, I think somebody like Perron. Uh, it says Bourgogne, and then underneath it says Pinot Noir, or something like that. When it's a regional level, this like is... uh, for the oh, yeah. Jadot? Oh, and then Jadot's yeah. Yeah. Jadot. Jadot does say Pinot Noir right on it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this is yeah. this Pinot? Yeah. Because it's a regional yeah. appellation. It's yeah. the first level of appellation from Bourgogne. But, uh, We're just busting your balls, though. Yeah, like we really are. But, uh, but uh, like I said, it was a dunce cap question. But it is, and, and and it really and it and it does come up, you know, in a lot of places. I, yeah. I teach wine classes, um, and, and 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 talk to people, and you know, you say, you know, Burgundy. What do they make there? And people are like, they make Chablis. Okay, what is Chablis? They have no idea. They have no idea. They think Chablis is the great because. That's what they have been taught from a lot of New World countries, that whatever is either biggest on the label or is most prominent is the grape variety. Okay, so maybe a little bit less nerdy then. Let's move on to uh, Premier Cru. What does Premier Cru mean when it's coming from uh, Bourgogne? First, uh, Premier Cru or first level in terms, it's your classification, so you're going from we're talking about regional, so regional, in terms of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, where you can, I would say, pick grapes from uh, different places of Bourgogne. Then you move up to village, or village, or village. Uh, you simply are looking towards, I would say, the, uh, towards where the grapes are planted near that village. Chablis, for example, up in uh, the northern part is a village. And then you go to Premier Cru, and when you have the Premier Cru, it's within, I would say, that appellation, and we know that those plots um, are of better uh, quality producing grapes, so they have a better orientation, specific soil, altitudes, 
um, so on and so forth. And then you have Grand Cru. And then Grand Cru. So just use it, you know, as a almost a pyramid, and the base is going to be larger with regional and when with village, and then you move up to the last two, so Premier Cru and Grand Cru. So the Grand Cru, it's really the tip of the um, Bourgogne and, segmentation. And in Burgundy, there's only those three. There's no deuxième cru or no, 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 no. It's always no, no. village, uh, premier cru, grand cru. Yeah, regional, village, premier cru, and grand cru. Okay, yeah. so Bourgogne, yeah. which would be the first level. First level. Yeah. And then there is um, village, village, then premier cru, and then grand cru. And grand cru. So it's really we are we are simply giving levels. Um, to what I would say, uh, take Shabby for, for example, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just handed a, a brochure here that shows this pyramid. There's a literal uh, pyramid. Who is, is talking about, and it is in the tiniest, uh, most print writing so that I've ever seen. And uh, here's I cannot, something. I have to be honest, like, for reading these days, especially something like a back label or something that small, I need glasses. So Louis was obviously nice enough who give me his bottle, uh, Coke bottle glasses, but I can't not get those. <laughs> you know what, here's, here's, something, here's something interesting taking a look at the, at the total pyramid is in Burgoyne, 61.3% are white wines, 294 are red wines. But the higher up you go in the pyramid, the larger percentage of that level of the pyramid becomes red wine. Becomes red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how come? It's always been, I would say, a historical, um, uh, a historical fact uh, where you have more Premier Cru and Grand Cru. Obviously, they are tiny, but they are uh, more in numbers, uh, you know, with Côte de Bonne and Côte de Nuit. So it's always been, I would say, a historical fact. So, Andre, I see you're, you're just kind of savoring this, uh, this Merde. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, there's no food I want with this. Uh, this is the wine I would sit and sit. All night. That's, I don't need food for this one. I'm still feeling like Coco Bay or. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, Bev Bourguignon. Yeah, something yeah, like I that. Can, I can see it, but I, I, I don't need it. Where I think with the other two, I, I wanted something, some lamb or whatever else we wanted. Uh, you know, with your, uh, with your Chablis, uh, you know, the seafood was a great option. I could sip on it, but I, I could see. This one, to me, I just could just enjoy this. It's just got this big, like. Like it's it's earthy on the mid, it's earthy on the finish. For me, that's just like I just need some food to go with that. I don't need it. It's, to me, it's a Lionel Richie wine. It goes all night long. You see, it's exactly what we want. You, we don't. If the people that don't know about the level of the appellation, they can go to the shop and ask for advice. But what we want is that people will be talking around a glass of Bourgogne. And and you know what? what? I think that's the bottom. That's the bottom line. That is like, the bottom line. Wine is for. for there is no right answer to this, too. I mean, if you have the means, I mean, I'm sure pizza would be good with this. Oh, anything could be good with this. Yeah, you, you know what? That's that's. How many pizza for dinner? We're I think we're doing oh that. Goodness, what's Anyways, here? good concentration. Like I it's. Love a, it. I love this one. Uh, how much is this one? Forty dollars, seventy nine ninety five. That's still pretty good. Yeah, pretty good value. I mean, not something you could afford to drink every Friday night, or maybe you want to crack open with a bottle, of, a bucket of popcorn. But uh, well, personally, and, and uh, this is not just because you're here. It's uh, um, I am yes, Cecilia. You don't spit this wine, and none of that's true. No, it, none of this is going into the dump bucket. But um, uh, I am hoping that I'm going to to get some of your wine because uh, I know some family members who are going to love that wine. 
I just have to check with my wife whether I can actually spend that money. But what? but I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can. Okay. Are you married, Louis? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about. Checking with the wife to make sure I can spend. Yeah, that's great. Oh, just give me three bucks. That's great. That'll... That brings it within my price. Range. Actually, I guess maybe maybe one of the before we wrap up here. Uh, I know I've said before I'm a sucker for a nice label, but Louis, I really like your labels. Just how clean the front is, and it's just out of all the bottles on the table, this is easily my favorite well, even, label. Even, you know, Santonet, uh, you know, uh, uh, very you know classic. Yeah, uh, see, I uh, where you like the classic, very clean label. <laughs> I'm I'm. Uh, Preferential to the uh, method. I like white space. I absolutely just like white space. It's just it, it'd be so easy if I were standing on the opposite side of a room. That label would stand this on the shelf. So much about you. Yep. So much. <laughs> but but also it, I think it reflects a little bit of the personality of the wine. So sometimes. Yeah. So it's it's clean. Yeah. The the chalky minerality. The, yeah. I see that. Okay. But there will be mercury is a little bit darker, but also as I said, darker, color, darker, is a little, yeah, yeah a, little a little more complex. complex. There's a lot more stuff going on in that label. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's no, but uh, I think you know it's interesting, you know, to taste those uh, those wines, and uh, what we're trying to show you is that yeah, there is a, a whole new world in in Burgundy for you to to discover, you know, in terms of wines. So Chardonnay. so Burgundy is the Walt Disney of. Uh, <laughs> again world. with the, again with the cheesy musical references. I think Old on I think on this note we can uh, thank you very much, Louis, for, for stopping by and going through these delicious wines with us. And no, thank you for your time. I and talking you. burgundy, that was that was great. And um, sorry for the hard questions about uh, yeah, it's, it's about the AOC rules and putting yeah, people on. I know. I might have to try the wines and be the conqueror. No, but uh, thank you and. Uh, Hopefully you can continue, we say, to give the, uh, well, say the, the good word and uh, you know, give uh, a lot of information to your uh, consumers or to your uh, people who ask you questions. Oh, we'll keep wines. making ones like this. It makes it easy for us to talk about them. Very much but uh, it's also important, you know, if people do travel, come to, come to Bourgogne, you know, come to, to Burgundy. There's a, a lot to see and uh, right now is a good time to, to come. Uh, the colors are changing also. There's some wines too. Yes, we should say it's, I it's, think that's an invite. Yep. Louis just uh, paid for our plane tickets. And just right. so people know, because it uh, might be a little I, later. I in a tent, so you yeah. don't come to my house. No. In a tent, <laughs> that's fine. We're, we're good for roughing it. If, if you're pouring these wines, we'll rough it with you. Yep. And just so people know, this is we're talking mid-October, because I think uh, you'll be listening to this probably in, in December at some yep. point. But uh, mid-October, good time to go. I mean, for Canadians, the weather's a little nicer in France than it is in Canada. It's like four degrees today. Yeah. Yo, Cecile is the fact checker. She's checking it up right now. <laughs> She's saying not so much. Not All right. So well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Louis. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to get you to tear up your ABC card this year. That's my New Year's resolution is to get Michael Pincus to rip up his ABC card and finally admit that he likes Chardonnay. Andre, uh, you're going to be thrilled to know that I have some uh, of my wine videos uh, coming out where I do shout-outs to you, but they're not nice shout-outs. <laughs> and they're on Chardonnay. I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Remember, you and can... And as subs- always... Wait, 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 wait. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Look for Two Guys Talking Wine. Now you can finish. Good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.